0: Hi, Marcus Pierce here, Exceptional Life Blueprint Live. My signature two-day transformational event is coming to Melbourne for the very first time and you are invited. Join myself and a tribe of like-minded souls at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre on June three and four. You will transform every area of your life from mediocre to magnificent and create a blueprint for your life purpose and career, your health, wealth, relationships, spirit and more. Early bird two for one tickets are on sale now at melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch. That's melbourne.marcuspierce.com.au forward slash couch. The wellness streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to that Paleo show, making the Paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined on the show by naturopath Kim Hart. Uh, she's from my fellow, from my hometown of Adelaide, or, or Adelaide-ish. Anyway, she's a little bit further out than me, um, but she'll be able to tell you all about that. But from a young age, she was told by well-meaning family members she would always struggle with depression and weight issues. It was in her blood, they said. From early childhood into her teens, during her 20s and 30s, she struggled with depression and led a life of eating the wrong foods. At one point, tipping the scales at 126. Kilos. Uh, she was living the prediction to a T. It wasn't until she went and saw a naturopath that she had a turning point. She was able to get off antidepressants, started to eat better and look after herself. And it wasn't before long that she was asked, was told that she should herself should become a naturopath. Um, so here she is, practicing natro- naturopathy, herbal medicine and nutrition, keeping her depression in check and living a healthy life. Welcome to the show, Kim Hart.
1: Thanks, Brett. Oh, that covered up on everything that right. I say. Oh,
0: perfect. All right, good. Well, we're done then. That was a great episode. No, um, that, that's, that's an amazing story, Kim. It's great. I love hearing people's personal journeys. So um, I'd love you to take us back to the start and, and tell us about your childhood and, and how you grew up with these depression and weight issues.
1: Yeah, sure. So essentially, um, you know, like all well meaning parents are, when I was younger, my mum, you know, uh, succumbed to the news that fat was the big evil enemy and that we had to avoid it at all costs and I grew up in a little country town it only had about 200 people and um, I was the only one that was overweight when I was a kid and my mum would have us on sugar-free this and drink diet drinks and low-fat that and you know it never really clicked when I was younger but um, it seemed to set that metabolic damage all the way back from when I was very young in not quite being able to balance everything out my entire family was like that if you look at a family photo even to this day there's quite a few um overweight people who are still struggling every day to be able to get on top of things so um that was sort of where my journey started in in eating in that way and then um you know, as time went on and I got myself more educated and exposed to more things, it was really interesting for me to be able to find out that, hey, actually, fat doesn't seem to be the big fat baddie that everyone seems to think it is. And, you know, I'm possibly pre-diabetic and my mother is diabetic and my father died in his 60s from diabetes-related illnesses. And I kind of had a light bulb moment where I thought, I think I need to probably do things differently or I'm going to end up the same way.
0: Yeah, and it's such a common story, isn't it? I mean, so many people grow up with this very similar childhood, very similar messages, and unfortunately getting very similar results. So I guess it would have been easy for you to look around at everyone around you and think, well, maybe this is just the way it is.
1: Yeah, especially in my family. You know, I had um, friends who lived... Out on farms and, and ate quite differently to what we did. Who were all healthy, and you know, I was an active kid. I swam competitively. I um, we rode horses. We I played basketball. You know, all of those sorts of things. And I just I would always carry that extra weight, and and you know, it of course built this um, I guess obsession with carbohydrates and, and eating in a particular way that I carried into my teenage years. And then when I moved away from home, it, it then perpetuated and became the same story, I guess.
0: So tell us a bit about your life at that point. I mean, how were you? Obviously, mental health was a challenge for you. Obviously, the weight was a challenge for you. What what sort of position were you in personally?
1: Oh, um well, I left home when I was about 18. I joined the Air Force. Um, I guess that was my way of getting out of a small country town <laughs> and trying to see the world a little bit. And that was probably one of the best things I could have done. Again, I, like at that time, you know, you had to pass fitness um tests and things like that to be Mm. able to get into the air force and so I literally starved myself to get into the air force I was living on probably less than 500 calories a day Mm. I was running upwards of 10 kilometers a day and I tipped the scales when I joined the air force at about 57 odd kilograms or something Mm. but as soon as I started eating properly or eating everything you know started to spiral back up again so definitely in that time i was on antidepressants and you know um and was just resigned to the fact of well this is what my family's like and this is what i'm always going to be like and so that's you know i guess that's what i'm um destined to have Mm. um yeah so So
0: before you started training to join the air force at about what weight were you prior to that
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I was 18. I was probably around about 90 kilos, maybe.
0: Far out. All right. So, you've lost 30-odd kilos just purely from doing that sort of calorie-restrictive diet, which I guess in some ways shows that it... Does kind of work if you're wanting to lose weight uh, but 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 what sort of but how were you i guess yeah mentally physically i mean that must have been incredibly difficult it must have taken an immense amount of willpower um to just literally kind of starve yourself for that period of time
1: yeah absolutely it did and i was exhausted all the time and i um you know i I'm sure if you could talk to my mother right now, she could attest that I was moody and <laughs> and not a very pleasant person to be around, quite frankly. And um she was probably happy to see the back of me when I got into the Air Force and decided that was the path I was going to take. But yeah, it certainly took a lot of willpower and, and um dedication and I I can I mean it was a long time ago now, but I can remember just being exhausted all the time.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I've heard a few people in the media and stuff recently talking about a paleo diet or a primal diet and saying, you know, how hard it is to maintain. Um, but, you know, that's sort of, you know, the alternatives, if you actually want to, you know, get yourself, lose some weight or get back into a healthy weight range, you know, the alternatives are... I think are far harder to try and maintain. You know, when you're having to starve yourself to that degree, and and very often people aren't able to successfully do that for any length of period of time whatsoever. And I guess you know the rebound from that can be the worst thing in terms of your physical health, but also in terms of your mental health when you you know when you're unable to sustain that then you start to beat yourself up and you start to yeah, feel bad about yourself and, and obviously physically you feel those changes as well. You know, how hard was that for you when you started to regain that weight that you'd worked so hard to lose?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Devastating. And you literally, it it is a, it dictates how you feel, <clears throat> excuse me, every day. So, you know, if, if, you're on that path and you're weighing yourself every day and you're starving yourself and hoping to get results or, you know, what you deem as good results, you get on the scales and that will literally dictate what your mood is like for the day and um, whether or not you starve yourself more or whether you, whether or not you allow yourself to, you know, um, have anything outside of what back then, what was deemed within the realms of being able to eat. So, Yeah, it's a real roller coaster, absolutely. And, you know, comparatively to how I eat now and how the paleo lifestyle is, it's just a lifetime of difference.
0: Yeah. So, what would you say to someone? I mean, there's so many people out there. There would definitely be people listening to this podcast who've tried to lose weight, uh, perhaps been frustrated with that. They're not achieving the goals they want to achieve. Um, They're then often beating themselves up about it. You know, what would you say to those people about? what they can do differently
1: Oh well first of all I'd say I know exactly where you're coming from <laughs> which I think can make a big difference for someone who's struggling to lose their weight Yeah and I would then I would say that there really needs to be a shift in the way of thinking between concentrating on how you look to concentrating on how you feel and what your moods are like, what your energy is like. You know, if you're a female, what your menstrual cycle is like, Um, all of those sorts of things because they are the true dictators of your health and and they are the things that once they're under control and your your metabolism is healed, then the looks are all superficial. They're what come later, but it's more about um, feeling good about what you're doing and nourishing your body more than starving it. I Absolutely. guess, yeah, I guess it sounds, I know a lot of people, if they're listening, well, they hate the statement of love your body, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff because I remember when I was like that, I thought, "Ugh, as if I can do that. But it's it's not a case of loving your body physically so much as caring enough for yourself to treat yourself well. So caring enough to think, well, Am I going to eat food that will nourish me and make me feel good or am I going to starve myself and flog myself instead, which you would never do to anybody else. So why Mm. would you do it to yourself?
0: Yeah, it's such a good – it's something that just keeps coming up at the moment is just loving your body and nourishing your body. And I think it's so important in terms of that approach. And for many people, really shifting because I think for a lot of people, their their challenge can be related to – that self talk and and that stress that they create within their body because of that self talk as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, if you uh, with my clients um, that I'm helping with weight loss, quite often I get them to write down the voices that are going on in their heads if they happen to hmm. eat something that they think they shouldn't, or if they don't lose the weight that they think they should. And the, the self talk that people do to each other is uh, to themselves is so cruel and um they would never ever speak to other people like that ever yeah but seem to think it's okay to speak to themselves like that and it's it's just yeah it's heartbreaking really
0: it's amazing, isn't it? I remember my talk I did uh, last year at the Wellness Summit, and I spoke about you know my journey, um, and and that was through you know divorce and separation and all that sort of stuff. And and one of the things I said that I think resonated with a lot of people from the stage was I said that you know out of all the things that happened to me, by far the worst things that happened to me were the things that I did to myself. You know, and it's true. You just beat yourself up so badly, and you say such horrible things about yourself. And you know, so. You know, and people would look at me outwardly and think of me as a very happy, positive guy. Uh, but, but for me, it was—it's the same thing. You know, it's very easy to get into that cycle and that trap of just beating yourself up, and it, it really doesn't help and it's hard to change it's a hard cycle to get out of but gee whiz it, it's worth putting the effort in and worth you know firstly just becoming aware of as you said you know write it down because it can be quite shocking when you actually write it down and, and see what you are actually saying about yourself and and as sure. I said if you imagine saying that to someone else you would never dream of doing it
1: exactly and I say to them you know if they've got kids I say would you say that to your daughter? If- you know, if you guys were eating well and, and she had a bowl of ice cream, would you say those words to your daughter? And they're horrified. Like, oh, no, I would never. And I say, well, why would you say it to yourself then? And it, it really is a bit of a light bulb for a lot of people to realize that, oh, my gosh, you're right, you know. And I guess it's that old adage of you are what you hear. And if you mm. say that inside your mind enough, then, then that's what you start to believe.
0: So Kim, at some stage you went and saw a naturopath. Um, you know, was your family a family that I guess was into that sort of stuff? Were they were they interested in alternative health? And and if not, what was it that made you think maybe I need to try something a bit different?
1: Oh gosh, no. They they are probably or were probably the not deliberately the antithesis of of natural medicine, but just had never been exposed to it. You know, we grew, grew up in this little and of course, you know. 25, 30 years ago, there was no internet or anything like that. So it, yeah. we were very much this little country town that um, followed the same as what our parents and our parents had done before. But I, um, then in my teenage years, I actually, instead of going to a, a high school that lots of other people in my town went to, I went to a different high school that was in a bigger town that was about 50 kilometers away. So I had to travel to go there. And um, during that time, I I made a very good friend whose parents were um, missionaries and they had worked overseas and they had, I guess she had had a lot of exposure to what back then was certainly considered quite alternative. And her and I would talk for hours and hours and hours about, you know, different foods and different cultures and just, just the exposure that she opened me up to, I guess, sort of enlightened me to thinking about things from a different perspective. And, you know, we were always called hippies and we were the weird ones. And, I mean, I was, it was 20 or 30 odd years ago and we would go into the local fish and chip shop and we would ask for hummus instead of fish and Mm chips everyone thought we were weird you know and so I guess it was her and she also went on to study naturopathy as well and and we're still in contact but so I was in the air force and and yeah and I thought I really need to do something differently because clearly this banging my head up against the brick wall and getting the same results I consider myself to be reasonably, reasonably intelligent and I thought I probably need to try something a bit different because mm-hmm this isn't working so I went to a few different naturopaths but really um you know it it takes a while to click with with people just like everything but eventually I I found a girl that was just excellent and Mm -hmm. and of course I started studying more and and reading more things and yeah she started me on the path of thinking differently and eventually it got to the point where i would go to see her and and i'd say i think i need to do this and this and this and i need to take this and you know and she would say i don't really think you need to come and see me anymore you've probably got it covered (laughs) and she was the one who put the thought into my mind to then study naturopathy and I, i guess a lot of naturopaths really come from or natural medicine practitioners come from that same place we all you know, when you go to any seminars or when you're talking to other people, they've come from a place of where, I guess, mainstream medicine has let them down. They, they've either been unwell or in pain or are not getting the results and they've, seek, they've been seeking alternative uh, measures and then thought, you know what, I need to help other people do this and, and that's sort of how it evolved from there.
0: So, uh, what was it that the naturopath said to you that made you uh, that made you click? That made you decide to change? What was the What was the one thing that made that really resonated with you?
1: To eat, like to start changing the way I was eating and things like that. Do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I'm not sure if there was any one thing per se, but it was more about I guess probably just the introduction of saying, "Well, currently you're eating this way, and how's that working out for you?" <laughs> you know <laughs> uh not so great, so why don't we try eating this way and see how that goes and to be honest brett it's it it is still I am still learning now, yeah, you know, after twenty years and and of reading and and doing all these different things, I can honestly say that I still am learning, and I still come across things today that I think, oh my gosh, that's of course that makes so much sense, so you know that that all fits in quite well. So, And I think that's the other secret is to continually seek information for yourself and to read as much as you can.
0: Yeah. Kim, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about the mental health side of things cause I think that's a really huge part of this picture and a huge part of this story. And, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, about fat and how you've been told that fat was not good for you and not good for your diet and, and now you know, you're know you a big fan of fat and and obviously fat is really the building blocks for our brain, it's so important when we talk about brain health so can you talk a little bit about that, how important fat is and, and how you've found that's helped you in terms of your mental health
1: Sure, love it, love fat you know, all of those good fats are amazing, coconut oil in everything <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess again, one of the big deceptions or things that people have been fed is that we need carbohydrates to fuel our body and to fuel our brain and that we need them to be able to do everything that we want to do. But it's actually not true. And um, carbohydrates, are sure, they're an easy source. You know, the sugars are an easy source of energy and they give us these spikes in energy and things like that. But But studies are definitely showing that fat gives us a nice – Um, prolonged source of energy you know there are elite athletes that are absolutely prescribing to uh, a high healthy fat diet and a low carbohydrate diet that are doing marathons and and all sorts of things on this sort of sustenance but we the the brain sits in its own little um shell i guess of fats and it it actually really quite likes using fats as a source of energy and personally for myself um, cutting down carbohydrates moderating protein and and putting this high fat into my diet the the clarity and my memory oh my gosh that is so much better and and just um, having prolonged energy during the day, no energy spikes and no slumps and, but having the energy there to use if I need to, to either exercise or to do the things that I want to do. It, it's just, it's a completely different sensation to what I had ever experienced before in my life. It takes out the, the lows and it gives you that nice steady sense of um, being. and, and fat is satiating. It, it keeps you full. It, it, it's what tastes good. You know, everyone loves butter, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so many people think, oh, my gosh, I can't have butter. It's so bad for me. And here I am loading it up onto everything. I put it in my tea. I put it on everything. So it, it's really it, – it definitely bucks the system. It, it can make people nervous and um, feel a bit um, out of sorts to – bring fats back into their diets when they've been told for so long that they shouldn't have them but um, the results speak for themselves.
0: So, Kim, tell us about what your diet is like now. Well, obviously, there'll be a number of people listening to this show who are, you know, stricter paleo and, and don't necessarily do butter. There'll be lots of people who do a more primal yeah. diet and incorporate some healthy butters and, and dairy and those sort of things in as well. Uh, and there'll be other people who do a, a high fat, low carb diet um, and aren't necessarily as concerned about those, those sort of things. So, what's your diet look like?
1: So, I have been paleo and, and strict paleo with no butter or dairy or anything I'd done for 3 or 4 years and again had doing that I had still been unable to shift the last amount of weight that I wanted to shift in order to be healthy and feel like I was – I mean, I felt great and all my bloods and everything were fantastic. And so internally I was certainly healthy, but I was still carrying some extra weight that really showed that metabolically my body wasn't quite coping well. I had central um, fat and, and just needed to really tweak things to find out why exactly the paleo diet was not quite fixing things for me and so i still i guess follow the paleo um lifestyle and um and certainly don't have any kind of grains or anything like that what i do now is something called a a ketogenic style diet which is your low carb high fat diet but it also moderates protein so um In research that I've done recently or, you know, in in working out what it was, you learn about something called gluconeogenesis, nice big long word, that is literally your liver converting proteins into sugars to use as energy. So that's where some people, if they go on a low-carb diet but don't moderate their protein, can still not see the results that they want to see because their body is so geared burning sugars that it will use the protein as sugars instead of burning the fats mm. so for me of course from a young age i'd had this metabolic damage that had happened and you know i have a certain amount of genetic history there as well so i thought okay this sort of sounds like it might be something that i can subscribe to so um i started on the ketogenic style and it, it can be a little bit daunting at the beginning because you are literally going back into um, monitoring the amount of carbohydrates or, and per like grams and the grams of protein so that you can work out that sweet spot of where you are in order to be burning fat for fuel. Um, and and it it's kind of like chopping up logs to put on the fire in terms of eating fat to tell your body that it can burn fat. So. For myself, I'm on a very low-carbohydrate style of diet at the moment. I eat less than 15 grams of carbohydrates a day, which is quite considerably low, and I'm also moderating my protein to about 75 grams per day. The rest of my diet is made up completely and entirely of fats.
0: So what does that look like, Kim? Because like, I'm imagining, I'm thinking, okay, protein, you've know, you got to be careful then how much meat you're eating. Like, what do you eat on a day-to-day
1: basis? Okay, so um, so uh, for today, for instance, I've had. I tend to have bone broth for breakfast, just because I enjoy it and it makes me feel good. But I'll put a tablespoon or maybe two tablespoons of coconut oil into that to bring it up into some nice fats for me to get in for the day. Um, Mid morning, I generally don't have any need to eat anything mid-morning because the fats that I've had in the morning keep me satiated during the morning. But if I am hungry, I will have something that's called a fat bomb, which are (laughs) little things that you make up of coconut oil and coconut butter. Some of them have almond butter in them or things like that. People who are on a less paleo style but low-carb, high-fat might have a wedge of cheese or things like that. Um, we haven't got to lunch yet, but yesterday for lunch, I actually had green veggies. So, um, broccoli, zucchini, cabbage, cauliflower, you know, that sort of thing. And I had made up some rissoles during the week and I would, I had one of those with it with 20 grams of butter melted over the top of everything. Um, then in the afternoon, uh, I make up my own seeded bread that I make into crackers and I had that with some cashew cheese. And at nighttime, it, I sort of look at where my macros are sitting in terms of fats and proteins and have a look. So last night I had an egg, uh, some avocado, a little bit of homemade aioli, uh, some baby spinach and um, and had that for dinner.
0: There you go. Okay,
1: that sounds.
0: That almost sounds doable. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I don't know. I've I've never done a particularly low carb diet myself, so I, I can't say I've uh, I've given it a go. But um, in terms of like you said, 15 grams of carbs. I mean, that does sound really low. So like, how much uh, of those green vegetables are you able to consume? And because obviously they are carbohydrates, um, how much of those are you able to consume and still stay under that 15 grams?
1: So. Just to clarify, for most people, 15 grams is not the necessary level of carbohydrates. If I'm dealing with clients in, in clinic, I would start them off on 50 grams of carbohydrates to see where that sits with uh, how their body reacts to that. So I when I first started this way of eating, that's where I started. And I've gradually taken that down five grams a week until I get to the spot where I am now at 15 grams, and once I have healed myself metabolically and things are working better, I'm I know that that will be able to increase slightly, which of course will open me up to being able to have a few more things in carbohydrates. But that, if I, if you look at it on a dinner plate, I guess that is mm. still you know half a dinner plate worth of um, green veggies because they're your lowest in carbs, of mm. course. But if to, I, I do measure them out at the moment because I'm, you know, just trying to quantify things and work out exactly where it sits. So it's about between 50 and 100 grams of each of those vegetables. So it's a, it's a decent serve of vegetables. It's, it's certainly not hugely restrictive. And I guess the biggest um, change for me is when I was on – from eating paleo to eating and getting myself into nutritional ketosis is um, – removing sweet potato and pumpkin Mm. because i ate a lot of sweet potato (laughs) I've (laughs) i've now realized i ate a lot of sweet potato and sweet potato is great it's got awesome vitamins and minerals in it it's good for fiber but it's it's still quite high in carbohydrates so in terms of ketogenesis um it it is something that's a little bit high to be able to consume when you're monitoring your carbs as closely as what i am at the moment
0: And do you worry at all about, I guess, diversity of nutrients? Like, obviously, you're you're restricting quite a bit the the availability of, of, you know, which foods you're able to eat to those real high-fat foods. And and it means that, I guess, maybe you're not necessarily getting that diversity of different foods that you might get by eating, say, even just a salad or, you know, by eating different vegetables at each mealtime. Do you worry at all about that, that you might be missing out on some of those micronutrients?
1: I do, and I'm conscious of it. So I do eat salad you know the greens and and salads as well certainly and i um i know that some people who eat in nutritional ketosis and the low carb high fat kind of thing eat mostly or they tend to avoid the um salads and uh veggies and things like that but i myself i can't i just i love my veggies (laughs) and so i'm quite conscious of the fact that um, I need to bring them into my day each day, and to to have them, you know, uh, as a, like exactly like you said, as a support for the micronutrients and making sure that I am keeping diversity into my diet.
0: Yeah, perfect. So, yeah. can we obviously helping out lots of people up there in the, the northern suburbs? Um, what are the most what are most people coming to see you with, and and what do you find are their most common challenges?
1: Oh, well, in clinic, most people come and see me because they're tired. Mm. Um, lack of energy for for everyone is probably one of the the biggest things I'm seeing people for. Um, stress, of course, is something that follows everyone around in this uh, lifestyle at the moment. So, yeah, um, and people are just not quite getting good quality sleep and and are really feeling the the side effects of not getting that good quality sleep and Like I see people in different clinics. I work from three different locations, and it's interesting to see the difference in the clients that come and see me between those locations. Hmm. And um, just being able to to help people realize how much what you put into your body affects your moods and and your energy and how well you sleep and, and all of those things. So certainly stress and um, people lacking energy is one of the biggest things I see people for and and just being able to help people with that and to sleep better, it, it's amazing the results that you see. I also see quite a few kids with uh, food intolerances or, or skin issues or um, certainly with gut issues and, and we see magnificent results with kids. They respond so quickly with the changes.
0: Now, Kim, as you said, you're in the northern suburbs of Adelaide, but there'll be lots of people listening to this who aren't in the northern suburbs of Adelaide. So do you any, do you do any sort of online or Skype consultations or anything like that?
1: I have not set up any Skype consultations or anything like that yet. I, uh, I'm still venturing into that side of things and seeing how... Um, how well and effective that can work. But I certainly would not be opposed to it if, if people are interested in, in getting in touch and seeing if we can do something by Skype, then we'd definitely be able to set something up, I'm sure.
0: Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on board today and sharing your journey, Kim. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it.
0: And for everyone else who wants to find out about you, they can head to your website, which is learnheallive.com.au. And they can find you on Facebook at Kim Heart Naturopathy as well. Um, So thank you so much for coming on board. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com. And let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show.